It's Thursday, October 3rd. Welcome to Pints and Politics, another election politics panel. Pints and Politics is a bi-weekly discussion program of all things political, coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio, CFFF, here in Peterborough, 92.7 on your FM dial. My name is Bill Templeman. This is our third show of the fall season. We'll be on every second Thursday uh, at 7 until December 12th. Our next show will be October 17th. At the end of the program, I'll give out our podcast site and social media addresses. Joining me tonight in the studio is our politics panel. Uh, first of all, we have property manager and businesswoman Jenny Lancio, a former mayor of Peterborough, and Peterborough This Week journalist Sylvia Sutherland, and playwright and math teacher Tim Etherington. Welcome all, and thank you for coming thank you. out. Thank you. On a rainy one. Before we get into the inevitable deep dive into our uh, lovely election here, the federal election, any updates on the homeless situation here in town? My understanding is that the campers who have set up uh, their tents on the back lawn of uh, the Emanuel United Church uh, on George had to move out as of the end of September. Is anyone aware of any plans to provide temporary shelter to these people now that the nights are getting uh, colder? On Friday, the overnight temperature will be below freezing in Peterborough, we're told. No longer camping weather. I did read a brief article uh, in the uh, Examiner about some uh, RV shop owner uh, willing to donate RVs. Does anyone know anything more about that? Just probably what you read in the paper as well. There was some gentleman who, if people have RVs that they're no longer using, he kind of collects them and he was willing, I guess, to donate them to people who didn't have any shelter. But the question was, where are they going to put them? So the last I heard was that uh, the mayor was supposed to be looking at Beavermead, but Beavermead is owned by Orca, so and it's closed for the season, so I'm not sure that that was an option. And I drove by Emanuel Church tonight, and I think there was two tents left standing yep. and a big heap of people's belongings. But that was all that was left there. Hmm. I, I recently became aware that you can park your RV at Walmart overnight. Someone told me about this. All Walmarts across North America, the world, you can park your RV there because, of course, you're going to go in and buy supplies. That's the assumption. So maybe there's a fit there. <laughs> right. All right. Well, this is an issue that uh, we're, of course, going to come back to because, uh, and this is the tragedy, that now that there's no longer a forest of tents downtown, it's sort of out of our mind's eye. What homelessness crisis? Which, of course, false thinking. All right. Before the program, we were, of course, talking election, and people were responding to last night's debates with quite a bit of enthusiasm. What ha now, I did not see the TVA, TVR debate in, in French, but apparently it was quite unusual. Well, it, it, I didn't, because my French is not fluent, I mm -hmm. actually listened to it later mm -hmm. on uh, with, the, with the narration in English, and unfortunately... <laughs> the the translators the the translators the voices were distracting i must say to say the least mm -hmm. particularly in the uh, in the case of the, uh, the person who was doing the translation for the leader of the conservative party i thought it was very unfortunate the voice but that apart the format is and it's a, apparently an established format that you have one on one mm -hmm. and it's a much livelier and much more spontaneous, I think, and certainly even with uh, the English translation, a much more interesting uh, and engaging format than you see with the English debates. Oh, Tim. Yeah, I, I watched it live, and, and that's one thing Sylvia and I were agreeing before the show. Um, I, I don't know the whole background, but I understand that it is a political broadcast, a regular broadcast in Quebec. And so it occurred to me as I was watching it that uh, the leaders were sort of stepping into an established idiom and the audience knew what to expect and the leaders knew what to expect. I think a lot of times in these TV debates, you know, they game out what they're going to do, but it creates, creates a sort of asymmetrical sort of strategic mess a lot of times where people have their four lines they want to get out. So it was... One of the most informative, smoothly run debates I've seen in a very long time, and I have a misfortune of watching a lot of debates. Um, I did watch it in the French, and uh, Scheer got dunked pretty badly for his French. But I have to admit, I, he, he beat my expectations. His French is not beautiful. 
Il est capable de bavarder un petit peu, lui. Mieux que ça. He actually could talk, and that's the that's Whoa, the thing that was, that was like, great. His French, he made mistakes. He had a clear accent, obviously, right? I don't think anyone expected that. But I and I don't tend to say nice things about Andrew Shearer, but yeah. he really did participate in that debate. And when the conversations got heated, uh, you know, particularly between uh, Trudeau and Blanchet where they were really going at things and talking very quickly and very passionately. Uh, Sheer tracked the whole thing and was able to respond oh, and able to get his talking points. I also, and I've seen this dynamic before, uh, Justin Trudeau is a much better speaker in French. What you don't see, one of his great flaws as a public speaker are the ums and the ahs and the halting way. He doesn't do that in French. And he was brought up in a bilingual family. It's not his first language. He was brought up with two languages. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's an Anglophone who speaks very good French. Yeah, but Is he, right? he yeah. speaks much more naturally, much more fluidly oh, in French. Okay. And I, I don't know why, but it was the, the contrast is clear. The, and, and Jagmeet Sindh actually did a very good job. His French was quite good. But it wasn't about whose French was good. It was the yeah, fact yeah, yeah, that yeah, it was course. a substantive debate. They covered the issues extremely well. There was a bit back and forth. I'm disappointed that the conservatives consigned the whole thing to a gotcha moment about two planes. And I really don't want it to go into that. No. Uh, because there was much more that happened in the debate. But the one observation I will make is that um, it was a difficult date. Uh, debate for Mr. Shearer, mm -hmm. because he is offside on a lot of the yeah. social values, uh, progressive values in, in Quebec. Quebec. Yeah. And so he did find himself at times really off to the side and cornered. And there probably were some bruises from that debate because he was pushed mm -hmm. very hard on his feelings about assisted dying, his feelings about abortion, and he wouldn't give a straight answer. And I, so for the next right. debate coming up, I suspect the same tactic is going to be employed where both Singh and Trudeau and Blanchet said it's a yes or no answer and sheer refused to give a yes or no answer unfortunately we won't hear any more from monsieur blanchet because the next debate will be in english right he's not going to participate in it no oh, is there another french debate i no. don't think so i think there's one english debate left I, i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry I'm, i'm unaware i just figured in the past i mean Gilles Duceppe participated in the english debates but, oh did he okay yeah i'm okay, not sure great. but i don't know for sure but blanchet but Oh, I don't think he is, but anyway, we... Yeah, I'm not sure either. I don't, I don't know, so... I think Sheer ex explained that he spoke French with an Ottawa accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, what about the... Uh, there was a debate last night here in Peterborough. Yeah, and it's going to be run and rerun on your TV. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, also known as Cable 10. And who and were the hosts? Uh, okay. The host was Jay Amer. Okay. And it's called Behind the Ballot. Right. And it had all the candidates uh, from Peterborough 5, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was, I found, very interesting. And I will say this. I don't think uh, there are certain candidates I disagree with philosophically and politically. Sure, of course, yeah. But each, each candidate conducted themselves well. Mm -hmm. It Uh, I think uh, I think Dave Feely may have wished there was a few more, there were a few more sparks, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but I will say this, uh, and I'm not saying it, believe me or not, from a partisan perspective, but I was really impressed with Maria Monsef last night with her how she has grown in in confidence and in skill in in debating from, and I'm not involved in the campaign at all. And I uh, and I came in really with a very I think open mind uh, as to how the debate was was uh, uh, would run, and uh, I did email uh, Lauren, her campaign manager, or message her near the end of debate just to say I was quite impressed. And that is not a partisan statement. It was she really performed well, I thought. So take a look yourself. Sure. It's going to be rerun as, uh, you know, the, probably, you know, 50 times before the election. So you won't. You won't Now, we have it. quite a few debates locally coming up. Do we? Yeah, well, that's my understanding. I, I was told um, a few weeks ago there are 23 debates. So we will have lots of lots of opportunities to. Yeah. to, to And we should election. avail ourselves. There really oh, is. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody else... I don't want to steal your... Thunder. No, 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 no. You know, I, I, no fun to steal. Go ahead. I, I've missed the first three weeks of uh, the local election sure, because sure. I was sitting up in uh, across the bay from Penetang. I can tell you what's happening in Simcoe North. You don't know that. <laughs> yes. but, uh, but I've driven around town. I don't see nearly as many signs yet as I'm used to seeing. Yes. And there seems to be... And I have received, apart from a, a dinging letter today to contribute to a political party financially, I have received no pamphlets in the mail, and my, mm -hmm. and, and my mail was held while I was away. Uh, I see far fewer signs than I've seen. And, and I feel, for the first time in my... 
adult life since I've started to vote. And the first vote I cast was in 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, disassociated in 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 for whatever reason, and I've got I can talk later about the reasons, perhaps. But with this with this election, interesting, Jenny. I have to agree with Sylvia. I live right in the downtown core, a mm-hmm. different part of the downtown than Sylvia does. Usually there's signs all over my neighborhood. I right. think there's three on my street, two of them being on the same person's front lawn. I have had <laughs> nobody at my front door. Mm-hmm. I have had no flyers in the mailbox. It's mm-hmm. it's absolutely nothing. I don't know if it's voter apathy or people don't care. Yesterday I saw a sign that kind of surprised me and it said 19 more days until the election and i said to my business partner that can't be right can it like has this even started like i feel like we haven't even gotten the ball rolling on on anything yet yeah tim i I mean i guess we all live downtown i've experienced it to be honest the only uh canvas that actually knocked on my door when i was there was the green party and they were advocating for brock grills that's how long ago it was um (laughs) right and i and i believe a flyer was dropped off by Miriam's campaign but i wonder if it has to do with where the elections being contested because there's no doubt the campaigns are out there you know they're out there knocking on doors every day i know uh, you know skinner's campaign and Miriam's campaign the ndp in particular are doing what they always do when they have canvases going all the time but i wonder if they're out where the votes are, which is out in the suburbs. And I wonder if that's, I mean, that's where the election is going to be won or lost. You know, the county you can assign to the conservatives. Mm-hmm. Downtown is much more mixed than it usually would be. Right. But that's where all the votes are right now. And uh, perhaps that's where they are. I don't know. Well, you go to uh, the old wisdom used to be, says she who lost twice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you did win a few. <laughs> well, locally. But, yes. but you go first to your strength and secure it. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm not sure everybody fully, when they get new to the game, understands that. Yeah. But you should go to your strength first, and certainly the strength of the, of the uh, of the conservatives uh, is in the county. But you have to. Stevie McGregor, Betsy's mother, was a marvelous uh, tactician, and and Stevie knew how many votes a liberal had to come out of the city with to overcome uh, the county, yeah. and so the city is critical. Absolutely. The city is critical. And I guess, I mean, I'm always harping on the suburbs, and that might be because I'm a a, a commuter and I drive down to Durham to work every day. And I'm always passing through it. And I, and I do think that I've been saying about this, but you know, local political campaigns and last provincial campaign is that I don't think people have really wrapped their head around how many people. Are, are living on the edges of the city and how rapid Ooh, yeah. those neighborhoods yeah. are developing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think there are a lot of votes out mm-hmm. there, and those votes out there are not the traditional votes. These are not people oftentimes who are, were born in Peterborough. They're not the retirement people moving That's to right. Peterborough. They're young families living out there, and that is the absolute right. sweet spot for most parties uh, in this election. Well, Tim, like you, I, I, I cannot claim a uh, professional survey of all of Peterborough in terms of signs, and signs are what signs are, valid or invalid. They're only important when they're on private property. Yes, Uh, but I do notice in my cycling around town that uh, downtown is mostly red and orange, but uh, I'm doing some work out at Fleming. When I cycle out uh, through the West End, uh, it's it's blue and red. The, the The orange people... (laughs) <laughs> the NDP should make that a more vivid orange because it looks too red. You know, it's interesting. True. You look down interesting. Street, you, you know, you think, yeah, yeah. oh well, there's the whole street of Merriam. Well, you get closer and you realize, no, no, it's not all. It's it's NDP and liberals. Yes, you're absolutely right because I mean, every day, you know, I drive out to my carpool uh, at the, at the, out by the 115, and I'm always doing it every time. Looking down side streets, how are things going? Uh, and the, some dynamics are predictable. The, the conservatives, you know, as a, as a local organization, are very good at getting their signs up quickly. Mm-hmm. And so there was a flood of blue signs. I think anyone who was paying attention for the first week, it was mostly blue. Yes. Uh, and more and more is collected. But when I look down the side streets, I can't tell. And the font is almost the same, yeah. <laughs> Candace yeah, and, 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 and Miriam. Um, there are a lot of lot more green signs this time. And we may get into this later because on a macro level with this campaign about what the Green Party represents. And I don't think it's a simple thing. I don't think it's simple. Oh, the green's on the rise. I think what I'm starting to see more and more are many lawns now with a green sign and an orange sign and a red sign and the odd yes. one with a green sign and a blue sign. And there's, you know, the, the Green Party right now exists as this kind of tabula rasa, I think, with a lot of voters. You know, and there's a lot, I think, of perhaps misunderstanding entirely what the Green Party is about. 
and with the uh, certainly about the environment, and that's critical. But if you dig down into the physicians on other issues, it is perhaps not surprising, except for the environmental, which is very surprising, that Brock Grills, the former Green candidate, is now working for Mike Skinner, the conservative candidate. The Green Party is at its core, the environmental part, a quite conservative, small c conservative party. I think Jenny is nodding in it. <laughs> well, I know that my husband, Jim, at home is definitely nodding because he's been giving me this narrative for a long time now because originally I am still undecided in my vote, but I had thought that maybe the Green Party was a party I was interested in investigating more. And mm-hmm. that's when he hit me with the, you want to make sure that you know about their social policies yeah, right, and they're right. this and they're that. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, before we uh, came on air, I know, Jenny, you and I were, were chatting, and uh, I expressed the fact that this campaign has been nasty, trivial, and, and replete with scandals, both real and imaginary, particularly the imaginary. These are, are and the question comes up to me, these are our future national leaders, the people who will be making huge decisions about our environment, our climate, and our standard of living. Uh, so this an ageist and perhaps politically incorrect question keeps popping into my mind. Where are the adults in the room? Well, it's a very good question. We now, it seems to me, being the senior, I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> no, 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 jump in. The, the, the oldest voter here, that, you know, you look back to, you know, well, my hero, Mike Pearson. You look back to yes. Joe Clark. You look back to Bob Stanfield. You know, we now seem more concerned about whether or not a person can win as rather than do they have, actually have the chops to govern. Interesting. Anyway, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, this campaign has reminded me of my years as a a school teacher, and I recall being on yard duty during recess, hearing bellicose 10 year olds taunting each other. I mean, is this what we expected? It's Uh, beginning to. (laughs) Yeah, like it's been a bit ridiculous from from the get go. And I think like what Sylvia says, it almost seems like when the hard questions start to get asked, then that's when all the smoke and mirrors start start to happen today before I left as I was saying to you Bill now somebody's all uptight because apparently Andrew Shear holds two citizenships he's Canadian and American in the grand scheme of things like yes. reproductive rights and yeah. you know and social policies and climate change climate change yeah. and all of that stuff I don't care if yeah. he's yeah. the only American I don't want in power in Canada is Donald Trump. That's that's, that's all why I you care. have to watch here. But uh, very uh, karma, karma, karma. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Tories, the Conservatives of the day, really went after Stefan Dion because he held two passports, French and Canadian right, and French, right. and also I believe it was Mulcair who got hammered by the conservatives and probably the liberals, too, for for holding. So uh, in a way, you're quite right, Janet. Absolutely agree. It's a non, but it sort of <laughs> looks good. Well, and they went hard yeah. on Miriam as well yeah. for well, her citizenship so- in social, general, right? That's become so nasty. On social media, she is still getting oh, yeah. uh, snide remarks. Uh, so, fixed your citizenship yet? Yeah. Uh, born, like, Do whether you're care? born in Afghanistan or not, these are not the questions that are going to shape the futures uh, of, let's say, my kids as, as they move into the wor- world of work. As, as, as frustrated as we are, you know, and we personally aren't responsible for this, but collectively as a society we are, we we are succumb to click, clickbait. You know? oh, oh, of course. The marketers and, yeah. and, and the advertisers, and which pol- politics has always been and is more so now, know what works, unfortunately. Most people don't really pay attention much to the election. They skim along the surface, and the gotcha stuff arises rises right. above the surface right. um and so we get a daily dose now of of what's the next gotcha what's the next thing coming up there and it is incredibly frustrating it's why you know when i saw tv debate last night i was like oh my god they're actually talking about ideas not the whole debate yeah, yeah we, i've yeah. seen much better debates in the past in the halcyon days when people actually discuss issues what this means for our political representation is actually what's quite frightening because those that flourish in this media environment are the demagogues and in the in the populace, and this is why we end yes. up with we end up with someone like Doug Ford who can get elected without a platform, right? Right. Um, the other tendency that we have is we always we've always done this, I know, to a certain degree, and every party's guilty of this. Is we vote against things. 
So the the tactic now, and Sylvia, I know you brought this up before. You said I'd, I'd love, hate to be an incumbent right now mm-hmm. because that is now the simple yes. strategy is you destroy the positives for the incumbent. And Trudeau has been taking fire on some of it justified, but he's been taking fire for two years on this. If he loses the election and Andrew Scheer is the next prime minister, everyone will go after Andrew Scheer. Uh, so we end up with this political situation where we just end up loathing these people. And we lose perspective. I have a very good friend who lives in Singapore, who who's Canadian, who's watching all this from afar. And uh, I was bemoaning uh, on email or Skype, I forget which, uh, um, about a year ago, two years ago, you know, Trudeau's weaknesses and things I disagreed with. Read with, and he said, Bill, g- stop. Give your head a shake. 95% of the governments between you and me, <laughs> the other side of the world, would give right and left arms to have a leader like this. Now, I- I'm not saying that as a partisan remark in support of the Liberals and Trudeau. It's just an observation on our system. I mean, you probably say the same about um, you know, most of the leaders we've had compared to outside Canada. <laughs> I mean, the dark thing... It- to, to get really dark for a second, you oh, know, is, is let's, that, is let's that, is that, is that you're going to mention Trump? Are you? <laughs> well, Trump's just one of a cast of characters. You know, yes. Western liberal democracies are under assault by autocratic indeed forces. Ba- uh, Bolsonaro, uh, Brazil, Hungary, Brazil. Uh, uh, Turkey, um, uh, uh, England, the United States, India. You know, have been these large democracies have yes. been taken over. By autocratic rulers who start to flout the rule of law, start to start to trample democratic institutions, and Canada is one of the last places. Canada, France, yes. and Germany's hanging on the edge right now. And yes. I, I don't know if this is just a natural sort of sine wave of, you know, ebb and flow of politics, or we are entering into a different era. I mean, I this is the dark thing, and I've got on this before. You know that we may have just happened to live in this golden age of liberal democracy. It may, that chapter may be closing, so there's my dark contribution for the night. The, the, yes, well, let, let's all uh, pause a minute. Now, during the, last, during the last 10 days, I made what possibly are the least spontaneous podcasts <laughs> of my short career. Uh, so far, I recorded, without comment, the answers from our five local National Party candidates to three questions. And by the way, thanks to all the candidates, uh, Alex Murphy, the PPC, Andrew McGregor of the Greens, the NDP's Candace Shaw, of course, Michael Skinner of the Conservatives, and Maria Monsef of the Liberals. Thank you to all of them. Uh, the first question is about economic inequality. The second was on climate crisis. And the third was on Im- immigration. So the text is text of these questions is posted on uh, Pints and Politics at ptopodcasters.co. I'll give that at the end again. Each podcast is about 10 minutes long. I read, read the question, then each of the five candidates had up to two minutes to reply. I didn't ask any follow-ups. So, so why this oppressively tight structure? I wanted to give the candidates a chance to state their positions without editorial judgment. And also, I wanted to do so while respecting the um, broadcast restrictions um, of the CRTC on all broadcast outlets. While podcasts are not yet covered by these rules, all the broadcasts, for example, us right now, Overturn Radio, of course, have to comply. So um, we're about halfway through. Do you want to listen to one question and a few answers and raise your hand to when you want to comment? Uh, what are your druthers? We, we could do that. Uh, I have to. <laughs> well, yes. I, I, have, I have unfortunately heard two of them. You have. I turned. say I don't, and I don't mean that. I'm not denigrating the candidates, but my goodness, all you need is the talking points from the uh, parties, and you have their answers. But right. I, I, okay. Well, let's. Uh, why don't we jump into just a bit of the inequality master, and I will. Uh, economic inequality, that was my first question, and uh, you can all signal me uh, when you think we are beginning to get listeners throwing things at their radios. All right, here we go. In this podcast, you're going to hear, first of all, me reading the question on income inequality, then you'll hear from the candidates in the following order. First, Candace Shaw of the NDP, then Mike Skinner of the Conservatives, followed by Maria Monsef of the Liberals, then Andrew McGregor of the Green Party, and then Alex Murphy of the People's Party of Canada. 
For more and more Canadians, particularly young people trying to launch their careers and, sit, and seniors uh, living on fixed incomes, the cost of living is becoming intolerable. Recent graduates cannot find jobs that pay enough to let them get out of debt and pay rent, never mind getting into the real estate market. If elected, how would you address the growing problem of income inequality? First up, Candace Shaw, the New Democratic Party candidate. So this is a terrific question uh, that our platform looks at in a lot of detail. So we have many different um, policies, sorry, many different policies that address income inequality directly and indirectly. So I think our national pharmacare and national Medicare strategies uh, are will go a long way to helping with income inequality just by leveling the playing field for people who become ill. A lot of the time, uh, if you're prescribed medication. Uh, and you don't have benefits, you leave the doctor wondering if you can pay for the medicine you've been prescribed. Uh, same is true with dental care. Myself, when I graduated from university, my benefits ran out, and then I didn't go to the dentist for a decade. You know, that kind of thing uh, happens to people across Canada. That's not an uncommon story. And for me, I think that kind of thing can really help support Canadians' health, which can keep them working. But also as someone who graduated from Trent University, uh, about $25,000 in debt, and then um, worked for more than a decade after that in Peterborough and was never able to find a job uh, that, that really helped me pay my student loans as well as my rent. Um, and I was lucky I had relatively inexpensive rent at the time. Um, I look at uh, some of the programs that we can do include uh, removing um, the interest charges on student loan payments, which is something that uh, Jagmeet Singh promised a few weeks ago. Uh, the federal government collects, I think, $3 billion from student loan interest payments. Uh, and we just don't think that makes any sense. It's unfair uh, to pity people who are just trying to invest in their education. Um, and, you know, we also want to look in the future at ways we can work to eliminate student debt and whether that's decrease tuitions or do away with them altogether. It's not in the platform for this year, but it's something we're looking towards in the future. Also, we want to build half a million affordable homes across Canada. The federal government got out of building fe- uh, affordable ho- housing in the 80s, and we want to get back into that that uh, industry and start putting more people into homes they can afford. Up next, Michael Skinner, the Conservative Party candidate, Peter Brokortha. Thanks, Bill. So excellent question, as you can imagine. Um, it's been one of the number one things that I hear at the door. You know, we've knocked on basically 35,000 doors. Uh, we've made about 23,000 phone calls, and so we've talked to a lot of people, and affordability is the number one Concern. Now, some people call it something different. You know, I've had individuals where I've been in their house and they said, you know, we're two or three mortgage payments away from, from losing our house. And so I think what's happened over the last couple of years is we've seen, you know, taxes quietly creeping up. You know, the carbon tax is basically a tax on everything that uh, we consume. And so one of the things the Conservative government is going to do is uh, eliminate the carbon tax, but also really look at some very focused tax cuts. So anyone who uh, is making under $42,000 a year, we're going to reduce the income tax down. You know, we're looking at uh, taking taxes off maternity leave. A lot of individuals, obviously, after they, they graduate, they start to have a family, um, they want to have their, their children, and they're, they're hesitant because the cost of bringing kids into, you know, into our society is expensive. And so, you know, why are we charging um, people tax on something that we're giving them? And so the idea is to take the, the tax off of that. Um, we've also uh, looking at adding some child tax credits as well for families that want to put their kids back in sports and, and potentially can't pay for it. You know, it's a thousand dollars per child when it comes for that. There's arts credits as well. And so, really, what our our government wants to do is two things. So, one is make sure that our government lives within its means and that we're not putting a tremendous amount of debt onto everyone that eventually is going to have to get paid back, and we'll end up putting. You know, our federal government will end up being in the same situation that our province of Ontario is right now, where we have, you know, over $24,000 per person in debt. And so we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, uh, and the second thing is really looking at, you know, where we're collecting taxes from people and making sure that some of our marginalized are not paying extra taxes and that seniors on fixed incomes, you know, are going to be able to get by. This is Miriam. Okay. Uh, We've heard from Candace Shaw, the NDP, and uh, Michael Skinner, the Conservatives. Uh, let's see. Jenny, you, you had something. Those two interviews are exactly what has annoyed me the most <laughs> thus far in this election. And you asked very pointed questions. 
but there's no answer being given. There's yeah. no how. Like, it's all very rainbows and unicorns. And we're going to build 20,000 houses or 2,000 houses. Or, see, I, I didn't even commit the number to memory. And mm-hmm. nobody's going to pay tuition and free dental care for all. And, you know, we're all going to hold hands and sway back and forth. But the bottom <laughs> line is, like, how are you paying for this stuff? There is no, like, it's great to say, and if yeah. all of that stuff can be done, I'm in. I want free dental care, too. I don't sure, want sure. my daughter to have a huge debt when she comes out of university. But how are we going to do that? And what I haven't gotten through this entire election is the hows of it. Yes. Tim. And that may connect with what we talked about before. You know, and, and, and you're right. It goes across all parties. Everyone makes a promises, whether that promise be a program or that promise be a tax cut. No one actually ever costs it out. And every government runs up debt. Um, across the political spectrum. But the reason we get these rather anodyne sort of recitation of talking points is what we said before. No one wants to step over the line and say that one thing because you can talk for 10 minutes reciting talking points and if you say one thing wrong, it's going to be on Twitter the next day as a hashtag. So everyone has to play it safe. Now, And I I think think one thing, maybe my memory is faulty, but it seems to me that elections are goal. You used to be able to sit down. I know that I know there's there's a, an art at releasing a platform. Entirely. Yes. But it, it seems to me the platforms were released earlier. And you could compare, among other things, platforms. Now, I was living up uh, uh, for three weeks where I had no real internet collection, uh, connection. Right. And uh, but you would, every day, though, there seemed to be a little item would pop up. I didn't read the whole thing because right. it would cost me too much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Papa, so-and-so has a statement to make. And every day somebody was promising something more. Right. And it was like Christmas, the goodie bag. And I think maybe the party should realize that people, as Jenny just said, see through this. Yes. And and I don't want Santa Claus at my door. I would like somebody to – I would like to be able to compare, legitimately compare, costed platforms. Mm-hmm. And that's not happening. Indeed. Jenny. One of the points that was made, and I, I think it was by Miriam and the Liberal Party, not to point her out, but it's just the one that sticks out in my head, was at the first debate she made a promise they're going to build, was it 2,000 affordable homes in Peterborough in the next two years. That's fantastic. Why didn't somebody ask her where? Right. Where are you building them? Like, right. I would love to know where. I work yes. in development. I would love to know where this yes. property is. Yes. It doesn't exist. Like, it's just not feasible. Yep. And in two years, like, you'd be lucky to get through the approvals process in two years for one house, much less build 2,000 of them. Right. And there's kind of like a, a Frankenstein monster's... <laughs> Like quality to some of this stuff. Mike Skinner saying, you know, Ontario were saddled with $24,000 of debt, which I think he means he's using the same bogus figures that Doug Ford used when he ran and said we were $15 billion in debt. That's been disproved. And, You're right. And, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> you'll right. just keep saying the same figures. You'll, you'll oh. talk about the carbon tax. Do you know where we didn't hear much about the car, except Andrew Shear tried to talk about the carbon tax at a debate in Quebec last night and was laughed at because there is no carbon tax in Quebec because they have cap and trade, which right. we had in Ontario and which has put huge amount of money into the Quebec Treasury. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Shear wasn't yeah. even, you know, that's just the carbon tax, the carbon tax, the carbon yes. tax. Yes. It's the party line in a province where there is no carbon tax. All right. So uh, for those keeping score, uh, we have heard two of the candidates. We have three more to go. We're going to fit them in next time we talk. So um, what I'd like to do now is to sort of climb back up uh, from ground level up to 30,000 feet, sort of a macro macro view of the election. And uh, just wanted, first of all, why don't we talk about Polls. Now, I am a bit of a uh, obsessive when it comes to the CBC poll tracker, the aggregator that uh, aggregated poll site that uh, Eric Grenier puts puts together. And uh, last time I dared talk about numbers in front of a math teacher, I, it was pointed out to me by Mr. Etherington that uh, the numbers don't matter. It's the trends. So I'm looking at a piece of paper now that has the August 15th, September 15th, and today, October 3rd. Uh, well, uh, the trends, but comparing September 15th, which was just before uh, Trudeau's uh, blackface uh, photos came out, just before it, uh, the uh, 
the the liberals were trailing the the, the um, conservatives by 0.1 percent. Well, since then, uh, now they're separated by 0.9 percent, and so the conservatives' trend is up, the, and the liberals' trend is down a, a whole 0.6 percent. Where? Yeah, that's the thing. Tim. So so Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump have something in common, and it's not the tack lines that the NDP are and the conservatives are using against them. The popular vote will not necessarily represent the winner of the election. And the reason for that, exactly I think you were going to say, Sylvia, the hatred of Trudeau, particularly in Alberta and Saskatchewan, is so immense. I think the 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 the, the conservatives are up about sixty percent Oh yes, that's in huge. Alberta right now, which skews the national numbers, um, where the, uh, the Liberals are leading and the Maritimes are leading Quebec, they're leading in Ontario, that's a much smaller lead. Um, but here's the reality of the breakdown of seats, just roughly. There are more seats in Ontario than there are in all of Western Canada. Yes. There are more seats in Quebec and the Maritimes than there are in Western Canada. By the time you get to, there are 338 seats. By the time you get to the Ontario border, there are only 107 seats left. The Ontario-Manitoba border. Ontario-Manitoba border. Yep. There's only 107 seats left, three in the territories, 42 in B.C., 28 in the prairies, and 34 in Alberta. Right. So you can rack up huge totals yep. in Alberta and in California. <laughs> but you might not still win the election, and you yes. might not win the Electoral College in the states. And so that's the issue facing the Conservatives right now. It's really coming down to a much smaller election, a large, largely in the 905 belt. If you if you really want to pay attention to wh- where the ground zero is right now, it's in Peel, yep. where the Liberals, I think, swept every single seat last time. In the 905. Yeah, yeah, 905, but in, yeah. in Brampton and Mississauga. Yeah. And that's where uh, they took a lot of seats from the NDP. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where the Conservatives are hoping to sort of make headway. The Conservatives are going to climb back in Ontario. They're going to win more seats uh, right. than they won last time. But that's if they're going to have a chance, they're going to do it there. Right. You know, there are one thing that's uh, lacking this time that was there last time and has been there occasionally in our in our our history are coattails. Nobody has coattails this time. <laughs> no one. Trudeau did last Sylvia, time, much as his father did. I, I'm going to have to ask you to explain coattails. That me. Co- Sorry. Coat- Sorry. That, that the leader of the party is so popular and so magnetic or whatever, for whatever reason he's popular. Yeah. The great example was Pierre Trudeau, actually. Yes. That they, they can pull in candidates. Well, candidates will win in in. In writings where they wouldn't otherwise win because of the popularity gotcha. of, 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 of the leader. Now, uh, and that just doesn't exist. And I was talking uh, up again in Simcoe North, but also here with some conservative friends of mine and uh, who, generally speaking, are really progressive conservative, except that party doesn't exist anymore federally. <laughs> and uh, what they were worried about and they're working hard for their candidate, and the candidate in Simcoe North particularly is very popular in, in, as an individual. People like him regardless of party. And uh, But they are worried about the leader. Yes. That, 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 that he might suffer because of sheer. I heard that at a, at a, a social function in Toronto from other uh, conservatives. You, you mentioned that the, the last time you were on. Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm no, old. No. I repeat myself. No, no, no. no. But, but, <laughs> no but you're encountering it again. Yeah, but, I, well, certainly. And, and I had lunch just before I left in Midland with a, a friend of mine. And the, the conservative member up there is a guy by the name of Bruce Stanton. And that riding has been conservative for a while. But at one point, Paul de Valere held it for the liberals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Stanton, everybody likes Stanton, would appear. And I asked my friend, and I don't know her politics, and I said, is Bruce Stanton going, is Bruce Stanton going to win here again? And she paused and played with her poached egg and said, <laughs> and said, well, he's done no harm. And we have come, Ooh. you don't have to read next week's column now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have, we have, uh, but that, have we come to that in our politics? You have done no harm. He's done no harm. And I think part of the problem with the coattails is that, again, we we mentioned earlier, is that the political strategy now is to tear apart and build and and pump up the negatives of your opposition. So anybody anybody who does appear, that's exactly where you're going to to attack. So it's very difficult to maintain a positive image. You know, Trudeau in the last election came from behind and he surprised everyone. Uh, No one was taking him seriously. His his expectations are so low. And within a few weeks of the campaign, he was able to burst on the scene and suddenly seize the moment. He did have some help from... 
the NDP turning. Oh, absolutely. No, but I'm saying, but yeah. he he was kind of that unknown yes. figure and with a nice name and good looking guy and a lot of charisma. Good hair. And good hair. Good, yes. Good hair, yes. <laughs> um, we don't we don't have a figure like that. I think I think Jagmeet Sin has been the biggest revelation in this election. Yes. I think he's coming from so far behind. Yes. He is dealing with other issues. Uh there was a little bit of ugliness in the debate last night where the the BQ ended with the suggestion that you should vote for someone who looks like you and then they doubled down and put a, a you know, so that I know. Yeah. So there's that there's that issue. I think Elizabeth May has been around for a long time. I think Elizabeth May has always been kind of liked, like your kind of weird aunt. If I could say that, you know, like there's an affection for her. The more that people start to look at the Green Party, you know, they were sort of surging. Yes. But they've leveled off a bit because the Green Party is kind of difficult to pin down. That being said, if there is a party that is going to surprise in the election, it is going to be the Green Party in various pockets. One of the pockets, it's really curious, and, you, and various pollsters are now picking up. Main Street picked it up. Ecos picked it up. Is in Quebec. Interesting. Which always wants to do something different than everybody else. <laughs> now, if I could just continue my monologue about trends, then I will shut up. Um, the NDP and Greens, compared to mid-September, are both flat. The PPC are down 0.2%. But the big change in my little chart here, comparing mid-September to today... Uh, on uh, the poll tracker, is the BQ. The block is up 0.7%. They have the biggest climb. So, to your point, Quebec is going to be very interesting. Yes, go ahead. No, just, we were talking about trends, just to kind of go back, and you were saying that you're curious to see what the Green Party is going to do. I think people are underestimating Mr. Singh, actually. I have found him, like, I find him quite intriguing, actually. I think he's a class act. I think he presents very well. Uh, They had a... Mm Some footage of him at a fruit market. I don't know if it was with his spouse or his partner or whatever. And somebody came up to him and made a snide comment about if you wanted to be Canadian, then you should cut your turban off. And I mean, he took it like a champ. He was a class act with it. And I don't know if this is going to be his election, but I think if he sticks around for another four years... I think the NDP party has a really good chance of making some headway because I think they've picked a pretty good um, party leader in him. Yes, and did he not do that ad in Quebec where he took office turban? Mm -hmm. And he's done things like, you know, I'm going to show you how I fold my turban and I'm going to tell you why I wear my turban. And those are all the things that I would love to ask somebody that wear turban but would never have the nerve to do and i think it's great that he's making himself so approachable he is a class act i would i would agree absolutely what you're saying Mm -hmm. if anybody has risen in estimation in this campaign it is mr singh and never more so than perhaps after the brown face Mm -hmm. uh you know where he of all the people running he uh, as leaders he had the most uh, invested in, in in what he and he responded with great dignity to that and uh, and uh, I thanked him quietly, listening to him on CBC Radio, for the way he handled that. Yes. And I think, you know, it does. Yeah, I, I have been wondering, and I've talked to, you know, friends, because I used to, be, used to work for the NDP, and I, you know, why did you hide this guy for the last couple of years? You know, the election campaign is not enough time to really do you with the public. I think you're right, Jenny. I think that if the NDP plays a smart and plays a long game, yeah. uh, they've made the a good introduction. Game, yes. I yeah. want to say one quick thing about that incident, though. That was at Atwater Market. And, and Bill, you probably yes. know where Atwater Market is. This is not some out-of-the-way, you know, sort of place. In oh, this, this, this is very this, middle class. This yes. is very middle class, gentrified, saint Henri, a part of Montreal. It's it's very fashionable and Tony area now. Uh, he, he was in the heart of what you would consider to be a very progressive part. Of, yes. of, of the country where that help it and it does say a little bit we don't have time to get into it but the, the you know the contours of identity politics in Quebec is very very different and one thing yes. Blanchet said last night he was pushed at being a sovereigntist he says I'm not a sovereigntist I'm a nationalist and so when you talk about the rise of the BQ there's something going on and I apologize for not doing more research on this but my observation is that what they've done is the BQ has seized on the nationalist populist aspect of the sovereignty movement the identity with a national nationality and a race in quebec we see that in bill 21 and they're running with that so they're going away from the idea of separation but they're dealing with some of and i I want to be careful here because i understand the roots of nationalism there's a very legitimate root there in quebec Mm -hmm. but there are certain xenophobic racist elements to it as well and the bq starts is playing with fire that way 
and they're basically stealing some of the support that uh, Maxim Bernier had. Yes. So uh, just just going back to the market incident again, uh, Mr. Singh was explaining today, and actually, if you listen to what the guy was saying, and the mics happened to be there and, and open, he wasn't saying he wasn't being. Singh said he was trying to help me. He, yeah, he said he was trying to say, you know, you'd do better if, mm-hmm. not that you should take off your turban, but you'd do better if you did. And that's a very different... It was interesting that Mr. Singh's interpretation of the comment or the spin of the interpretation mm-hmm. was very different than probably the average bear that was listening yeah. to it. Like when I heard him said it, say it, both my husband and I went... Are you kidding me? Like, who talks like that to to people? Yeah, he was, yeah. and I, 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 I think I think Singh's it. interpretation probably was the right one. I actually. think so. Yes, I just had one more thing there too. Sure. I've been reading someone recently wrote about this that you know, Singh is the first visible minority leader of a major party in this country, and um, we I think we have to be careful always looking to him to be the guy to answer the question, right? You know, it's like yeah. the woman in the room has to speak for women's issues, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it came to the Trudeau's brown face and black face, I, I apologize. I, I can't remember the name of the writer. It was a really interesting article I wrote said, why the, why the heck should Jagmeet Sin have to be the person to answer to it, right? Yes. Because he is a visible minority? Like, yes. doesn't that kind of perpetuate some of the same issues? No, but all, all the party leaders, uh, that, uh, you know, I'm not sure that question is a valid question. Uh, it, it Maybe coming from Mr. Singh, the answer was perhaps more important, mm-hmm. but all the party leaders had to answer to that question. Yes. Now, uh, if I could ask the question that will take us into another three hours of radio, if we had the time, <laughs> who's winning so far? And where do you think this is going? Liberal minority. Both nationally? Well, okay, Sylvia, liberal, liberal minority? Right now, I would say it would be a liberal minority. And again, so you won't have to read next week's column. Skinny or large? Uh, I think skinny, perhaps. Yeah, skinny minority. And uh, I think, and it's not the worst thing to happen in the world. The two best governments in my lifetime were the two Pearson back-to-back minorities. So depending on how it plays out. Yes, uh, and it, I have it's not the worst. I have certainly heard that a lot around town. You know, minority governments... They can work. ...are quite good. Yeah. I, they have to collaborate. I, I think if you're betting, you're putting, putting odds down right now, I agree with Sylvia, uh, liberal minority. However, we do know elections tend to kind of break one way or the other, and it is really, really close right now. Um, the problem for the conservatives is going to be finding votes... Uh, particularly east of the Ontario-Quebec border. They're going to they're gonna pick up some seats in New Brunswick. They have their little redoubt around Quebec City. That's about it. Right. Uh, and they're going to do well in Ontario. They're going to come back in Ontario, but they're probably going to lose Ontario. So you see the BQ taking... Taking, taking a lot of conservative votes. Well, they don't have a lot of seats there to start right, with. Yeah, yeah. So, the, And they're not going to grow their support. After the debate yeah. last night, they may have lose their support. But they are going to win some in the Maritimes. They're going to do pretty well in New Brunswick. And they may okay. pick up Central Nova with that country singer. Dude. But <laughs> but it will come down to Ontario. if, And that's why they're going to be here. They're going to blast the 905. They're going to blast Peterborough. Because the only chance the conservatives had of, of getting a minority government and, and a majority government, which is a real long shot for the conservatives, is to turn Ontario around. Right. Now, the one wild card in all of this is there's a very good chance that schools will be closing on Monday. QP yes. has gone on strike. They've yes. gone on strike because board started firing QP workers when they went work to rule. And that's why, by the way, for everyone out there, that's why QP escalated so quickly and went on a strike footing. The boards are going to close their schools on Monday if... The quick fix to a strike is back-to-work legislation. But that means the rarely seen premier of this province will have to come out of the witness protection program and actually go to Queen's Park. And that is going to have a real effect on the election. I don't think think they are going to blast back in Ontario even before what is happening uh, with QP. I don't think they are. But I think it will be a little bit. Jenny. I think from a federal standpoint, we're fairly safe to say it'll be a liberal minority government. I think Justin's hair will still, you know, carry him through this election, maybe. But what Th- I think there is, are gestures in the studio, in room, listening audience. It's, you know, I think it's going to be tight. But yeah. uh, um, but what I think is going to be even more interesting is what happens locally, because well, yes. I think there may be a change in well, representation. I, I wanted to bring us back to, we've talked nationally. Now, what's going to happen locally? What are our predictions? I had an anonymous tip just yesterday. That, you know the results? No, I don't, I don't know the results, but this, this was a tip from a credible person said that the internal polls from the Skinner campaign show that they were within a couple hundred votes of one another, which in a poll means they're, they're virtually tied. 
And so it really is a toss-up in this election right now. That's at least, I don't, again, that's second-hand knowledge from someone who is a plain dealer, and I know they're honest with me, and right. said okay. they had learned that the internal numbers from the Skinner campaign were that they were tied. Lauren, if you're listening, come on, let us know. <laughs> we don't know anything. Well, the, the but uh, poor Mike. In a way, I mean, I should say for Mike, but, you know, both times his leader has not done him any good. No. And Shear is not helping Mike Skinner at this moment any more than Harper did. That's that right. not a reflection on Mike. That's a reflection on the... Uh, and ju- just so I can blur in, what was the significance of Trudeau coming to that rally 10 days ago? Because they think they can, because the writing's important to them. Yeah. And it's uh, in play. It's in play, yeah. Just, just to be clear, just, sorry, yeah. but... There was a lot of sort of punditry locally saying, oh, my God, uh, Trudeau's coming here because he thinks he's going to lose. He came the last election, too. Like, it's just yep. it's 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 an important writing and it's yeah, always yeah. going to be close. It was pretty close last time. It was what, 5 percent separated yeah. them or something. Jenny. I think what Sylvia said is correct about the about Sheer not doing Mike any favors. I think Mike is working really hard to kind yes. of change the conservative People's opinion of the Conservative Party, I think it's a bit of an uphill battle given who his um, party leader is. I, I don't know if I've just made this up in my head, but I'm also <laughs> going to be curious to see if the outcome of the last municipal election, which the outcome was quite a liberal outcome, I would say, is going to have any impact oh, on the outcome I wouldn't of blame the, the outcome election. of the last election on the Liberals. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Liberals, maybe liberally minded. Is that better? Well, yeah. it, again, though, it, again, it was an election tossed them out. I think. That's, yes, it was. Yeah. It was against, and that's Bennett. that's just the city. Yeah. If if the city just voted, and by the way. My pet project is somebody eventually we should just have a writing that reflects the city. You know, no, we've grown to the certain place now. If you look at other places right. of similar size, they have their own representative. Right now, we are with the county, which has very different priorities than the city. Mm-hmm. I think Sean Conway would be our MPP if it was right. just the city yes. of Peterborough. Yes. So, you know, if it was just the city of Peterborough, Mary Monsef wins the election. But as you said, uh, Sylvia, you got to build up a huge thing because I the county is going to yeah, come in so heavily so for blue. Mike Skinner. So oh, blue. hugely. Yeah. Yes. All right. So last thoughts. We are into just over two weeks from the election. Will any more shoes drop? I mean, we, we heard about the dual citizenship today. Um, Will somebody else use a plastic straw? Or a, yeah, yeah. I noticed, Jenny, I would like to point out tonight that Jenny has a uh, has her water in a metal, a metal, metal drinking container with a straw that's reusable. Yes. And nobody has had to Photoshop it. But I have to confess, <laughs> my daughter's an environmental toxicology student, and she already gave me the business today for using a Starbucks cup with a straw in it, so I figured I'd better <laughs> redeem myself. Can you think, you know, here we are, you know, of all the issues, and all we're hearing about is brown face, black face, plastic straws, and, and, yeah. and passports. That was a joke from Saturday Night Live, um, um, was, was Joe Biden saying, I'm, I'm like plastic straws. You know, you guys have loved me for years. I've always done the job, and now you hate me. <laughs> Just quickly, though, what to expect coming up. Um, yes. I have a sneaking suspicion the blackface, brownface thing, was they went earlier than they anticipated. Because right. at that point, the Liberals had momentum. Sheer was on the run. The Liberals were drifting in majority territory. I had a feeling that the Conservatives launched that one earlier than they wanted to. I don't know if they have a follow-up as lethal as that. Certainly two planes isn't going to do it. You have no idea what the Liberals or the NDP have. No, I know. That and I, that's the thing. I think they if they've got other gotchas, they've had a chance to hold them in reserve. Well, for more gotchas, please join us in two weeks. We will be back in some form or other for... Uh, the penult- well, the last show before the election uh, will be on the air on the 17th. So let me just do my official sign-off here, if I can find all my documents. Uh, you've been listening to uh, Pints and Politics. Uh, we're on every Tuesday night, every second Tuesday night from 7 to 8. Uh, please join us again uh, October 17th, where we'll talk about the election one more time. And then, of course, on the 31st, which is Halloween, we'll be, we'll be talking about the election debrief. Uh, so any feedback, please comment on the podcast website. Uh, that is uh, Pints and Politics, all one word, dot P-T-B-O, podcasters, dot C-A. Or uh, you can send me uh, feedback at bill.templeman at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until Thursday, October 17th, when our politics panel returns. This is Bill Templeman.